0: I asked the Lord, you know I, I was outside where i would I sit and uh, was actually getting ready to do the uh the daily briefing and then uh, that's when I got the text, and then I stopped and asked the lord what what am I going to do and he and all I got was a word confusion well yeah, that's me, I'm confused so so then from that you know the Lord uh, gives the 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 rest of the study but the word confusion means, in, in the, the World Dictionary, it means lack of understanding and uncertainty. The state of being bewildered or unclear in one's mind about something. So do you see that everybody is confused? So, so there, the whole world is in a state of confusion, right? But, but us who are in Christ, we're not supposed to be confused. But even in the church, there's confusion. Even in our own families, there's confusion of what's, what to do, what's going on. You know, should I do this? Should I do that? And so we're not supposed to be confused. But as I was telling Henry, uh, I talked to Henry on Tuesday, and he asked me, would the Lord show you anything? And and I told him the confusion. And then I was all confused, you know, for, for like the whole day. and And then... Uh, That Monday and then Tuesday I kind of sat down and and started working on it. And so, you know, I don't know about, you know, some of you guys who are maybe closer to my age or older. Things were not that confusing. Things were not that confusing. Everything was pretty straightforward, you know. Uh, Growing up, you go to school, you do what you're supposed to do. And it was pretty clear. But it's not really that, it's not clear anymore. You know, we we live in a in a world where people don't even know what gender they are. You know, they don't even know what God made them. You know, that's how that's how the life we're living is today. I can imagine young people, little kids, when they go to school, public school, like my grandson. I have to instruct them before he goes because I know what they're gonna say. But imagine the confusion. You know, the confusion that. a Kid would have if he's got two parents of the same sex, similar things to that. You know uh, the confusion that's going on in their little minds. We we have no boundaries anymore. We don't know the boundaries. Everything is foggy. Everything the water is muddy. The water's not clear. So how do we get a clear view of things? How do we get God's view? Well, the way we get it is to be in in God, to be in Christ, to to filter everything through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so yesterday, you know, there was a lot of confusion. You know, I I, I pretty much did the study on Tuesday, but yesterday, it was a a day of confusion where I I uh, felt sick. You know, I felt like like uh, dizzy. And and I was going to call Henry and tell him, you know, uh, maybe I won't be able to make it. Uh, And then I decided, you know what, let me pray and let me call a good friend of mine to pray also at the same time. And I explained to him what was happening and I told him to pray. And then I decided to go for a walk and pray. And then right away, the Lord told me, didn't I tell you to go over there? It was real clear. It was no nothing for me to misunderstand. And so then the brother texts me, and he, he sent me some verses, and it was all for me to, to not call Henry and to come. So the confusion comes not to do good in our lives. And so we know we should know that our society is in much confusion, and the confusion is even about who God is, you know, what, who is God, and and is, is is it what I think or is it what you think? Somebody told me once that that they well they didn't believe a certain things in the Bible, that they couldn't really believe it, that God would say this or do this, and, and I simply told them that God already gave us His opinion through His Word. You see, it's not for us to to uh, make up our own uh, God. You could. And so the reason of the confusion is because people have lost sight of the Word of God and who God is. That's why they're confused. You know, that's why they make up their own minds as to who God is. And the way that happens is by putting God out of of society, of your life, even of the church. So there's nothing new. When confusion about confusion nothing new in in the in the Garden of Eden the enemy came to bring confusion to the woman as to what God had said that's part of the confusion and so that's going on today as to what the word means and so confusion has partners it comes it doesn't come alone it comes with despair fear hopelessness and other things that come with it. Those are just the main ones. And so you see hopelessness in the world. You see people in fear. You know, when when the pandemic first started, uh, I, got, I had to get used to going in with the mask. So one day I was, I was driving by this one Asian market and I had to run in there real quick and I forgot my mask. I didn't know it. And I was in there and everybody was looking at me like they wanted to you know, throw rocks at me, and they were staring, and I was like, I wonder why they're looking at me like that, and then the lady finally told me, oh, sir, can you go get your mask, and as I went out to my truck, everybody was made a beeline out of the way, like I had, like I was a leper or something, fear, fear, and if you don't know who the author of fear is, it's not the Lord, right, and so in 1st, 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 it says for God has not given us the spirit of fear but of the but of power and of love and of a sound mind and the problem with with that we know that verse but the problem is that if you live in fear these other three won't be there the power the love and the sound mind they won't be there if you're living in fear you see you 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 get rid of those, those three powerful statements that he makes in that verse that we need to live in. We need to live in the power of God, in the love of God, and in the sound mind of God, the wisdom of God, you see. That's where we need to live, not in fear, and that's where the world is living, and no wonder that it's all confused. And so when we live in these things, We are not living in faith, and that's going to be the key. We're going to talk about that. And so, you know, we have God's understanding, and then we have our own understanding. And our understanding is usually goes by emotions, by feelings, and it's usually wrong. It's usually wrong. So in in the Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, you guys are all familiar with these verses. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So this is the way God wants us to walk, not to lean on our own understanding, but on everything that God has told us to do through his word and trusting him. It's about trusting who God is and what He has promised us in His promise promises to us, and so the problem is that we lean on our own understanding. you know, have you made a decision ahead of God? Have you made any decisions ahead of God? They're usually wrong. they're usually wrong. They might seem right when you're making them, but they're usually wrong. i I could testify to that. Uh, uh, made a lot of mistakes. And so in the confusion, this is the time when we have to draw close to God and really trust Him. It looks bad to you, but God already has the ending of it. God has the answer. So I've been learning this during these last couple of years, the, this phrase that, that I, the Lord showed me for me, I don't know about anyone else, it says that I say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. Because everything that's going on, I do not understand. I do not get. Family matters, all kinds of different things. I do not understand. But how are you going to save my family? And and I just have to say, I'm going to trust you, Lord. Because I don't see it. So I don't know. when we trust God, then we're letting him be the, the captain of that ship that you're in. Uh, like the, the apostles, they, they forgot who was in the boat with them. They forgot who the captain of the ship was. And then when he stopped the storm, they said, wow, the, who is this guy? This guy who can speak to the weather. Our own understanding is always driven by our, our flesh, by what we think. So confusion, if you don't know, that during these last couple of years, the suicide rate is at an all-time high. They don't tell you that in the news, but it is. It is, because the, the the master of confusion wants to take people's lives, and they, what better way than he could deceive them to take their own lives. And that's what confusion can cause someone to be desperate and do some harm to others, to themselves. They feel hopeless. And there's no reason for them to live. That's what the lie of the enemy. That's the lie of the devil. And maybe you, maybe you think it's hopeless. And I'm telling you, that's not God speaking to you. That's the enemy. So who's behind the confusion? And and I'm going to tell us who, who it is. And you guys already know because you guys know the Bible. You've been studying it. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. So this is is a, a verse that's, that Paul writes to the churches. The confusion was in the church. It was confusion about the spiritual gifts, the way they were using them, and, and they were all confused. So that means you can be confused in the church. And having all these gifts, you can still be conf- confused. But God is not the author of confusion. He's the God of order. So we have to understand who the author is. It's the enemy himself. And so we, we think, you know, we forget, and a lot of Christians have forgotten, who's in charge of this world? The Bible tells us in First John five nineteen it says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. This is his domain. This is his place. And so can a Christian be under the sway? I think a lot of lukewarm churches are under the sway of the wicked one. The politically correct, that's the sway of the wicked one. This is his world. So I think we can forget, you know, who is our guy. It should be the spirit of the living God who is guiding us in everything, you know, in my confusion, yesterday, I had to seek the Lord. I didn't let my flesh dictate what was going to happen. I let the Lord dictate. We can cause what can cause us to walk in confusion. Well, it's not trusting the Lord. It's not trusting God. You know, you 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 get in these days. I, I can tell you when my grandkids were at the house. When this thing first started and they were doing the, the school online and as soon as, you know, one of them had a fever, what do I think? You just go into them; and your mind goes into a panic. What is, what is it? You know, because it was a death sentence in the beginning, you know, and we know that a lot of people did die. But we as Christians, you guys understand that God has the final authority. He has the final say so. It's not anyone else but God. And so, but this happens, right? The flesh is is not supposed to drive where we go. He's not supposed to be the commander of the spirit, which is, that's the Lord. So God has to lead us, guys. So I want to give some examples of the flesh, people being led in the flesh in, in our Bible. So uh, and then we'll give some examples of, good things. So the first one is, is pride can lead you. Pride can lead you, you know, that's of the flesh. So in, in Mark chapter 14, verses 29 to 31, we have a Peter talking. It says, Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, surely I say to you that today, even at, at this Night, before the rooster crows twice, you would deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently, and if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said, likewise. So we know the story, right, that he did deny, because he was speaking out of his flesh, you see. At another place, Peter was told, get behind me, Satan, because he was talking in his flesh, in his pride. And that's never good, guys. You know, pride is the enemy, of, the number one enemy of God, right? So reacting in the flesh. In John chapter 18, verse 10, it says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. So we know that, that when they were arresting Jesus, that Peter decided he's going to do what he's going to do. And he's going to strike down the servant, and we know that Jesus thought different because he put the ear back on the servant. And so, reacting in the flesh. So another another man, uh, confused, a learned man, a man who was educated in the scriptures, was all confused. This man is Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was educated, the most educated guy. In the Old Testament scriptures, and then he's going against God. It says in Acts 9, four, it says, Then he fell, on the, fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's the voice of Jesus, right? So then you can be confused and be a leader and be even well-versed in, in the Bible of that time, in the Old Testament. You can be confused because he wasn't being led by the Spirit of God, and he was persecuting God's people and he's persecuting Jesus himself. In First uh, 1 Timothy 1.13, he, he says it. He says, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in an unbelief. So he didn't know any better, but we, we have the Spirit of the Lord. We're supposed to know better. We're supposed to know who's leading us. We're supposed to be. How are you going to know to God to lead you? You got to spend time with Him. You got to spend time with Him. You got to be in prayer. You got to be in the Word, or else you you might not know who really who God is. You might be a stranger. God, you might be in a de- desperate situation praying and God's going to who is that you got to be close to God in these times so our own understanding what what can we 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 make so many errors in our own understanding so just some examples of our own understanding the first one is in Genesis chapter 16 verse 1 through uh 4 I'm sorry uh l- let me turn there for I uh, say something wrong so th- this is a story about abram and sarah sarai so so it says in verse 1, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See, now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram he needed, heeded to the voice of Sarai. And then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the egyptian and gave her to her husband and abram and abram to be his wife after abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of canaan so then in so he went into hagar and she conceived and when she saw that she conceived her mistress became despised in her eyes nothing good came out of this this uh, idea with sarah's own understanding god doesn't need our help for us to make decisions for him. And so we know that uh, it was a bad situation, but we also know that Abram didn't say nothing. He didn't stand up and say, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to follow what God said. So there's two people at fault here, but it's all caused by their own understanding. And so we, we got to know that we got to follow God's understanding. God had already told them what to do, you see? But it required something that they would get later, which is faith. It requires faith. It requires faith when God has said to do something, when God has made promises to your life, and then you go ahead of God and you take your things into your hands. It requires faith to believe what God has said. So the, ne- the next example is uh, in Genesis chapter nineteen. Verses thirty to thirty six. So this is all these stories you guys are familiar with. Says this is the story about Lot after they left uh, the city when they were told that it was going to be destroyed. And so then it says then Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountains and in his and his two daughters were with him for he was afraid. For he was afraid. To dwell in Zoar, and he was with his two daughters. Dwell his two daughters dwelt in a cave. And now the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man on the earth to come in to us, as the custom of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. And so they made their father drink wine. That night, and then the firstborn went and lay with her father, and he did not know which, when she lay down and when she arose. Then it happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I lay with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine tonight. Also, that you go in and lie with him, and he, he we may preserve the lineage of our father. Then they made their father drink wine That night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down and when she arose, and both daughters of Lot were with child by their father. Their own understanding, you see, it's, it's, it's a pretty difficult story for us to, to get, you know, how could that happen? And so, so then the answer is in where they lived. They already seen worse things than that. That didn't seem like a terrible idea to them. They thought they were doing a good thing, preserving the lineage, not trusting God. But we know that out of these two these two uh women came Moab and Ammon, those are the enemies of God, of God's people, you see? And so trusting in their own understanding. And and look at how horrible it came out. And so we don't want to do that. We want to trust in God's understanding. So, you know, in, in uh, Genesis of that 19, uh, the verse 8, I'm going to read that. It says, See now I have two daughters who, who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you it, that you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men since these th- this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And that's when they were, he had the angels with him and he was trying to protect them. He was being driven by fear and he was even offering up his own daughters. That's what fear would do. That's what your own understanding would do instead of trusting the Lord. So fear can paralyze you and even drive you to think that you need to, Give up your life, so so another example I want to read to you is just a few verses in First Kings chapter nineteen. So this is this is what happens to to Elijah the prophet after he goes to battle on Mount Carmel against. 900 prophets 450 of Baal and 450 of Asherah He goes a, a get, battles them and then he wins and then he gets becomes Taken over by fear. He just saw God work a great work on mont Mount Carmel and then So that tells us that you could be doing a great work for God and still be driven by fear so in verse uh, 1 it says of chapter nineteen in first Kings it says, And Ahab told Jezebel that Elijah had what Eli, all Elijah had done, also how he had ex- executed all the, the prophets with the sword, then Jezebel went to the messenger to a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow by, about this time. And when he saw that He arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. That's what fear would do when you're driven by fear. You see... He forgot in that short time what, the power of God. He forgot what God had just done, those powerful works on Mount Carmel, and he had the power over 900 of those false prophets. And so the, the instruction for us is to remember the things that God has done in your life. And I could tell you miracles. People, people healed. And the biggest miracle, people coming to Christ, people who I said that will never happen, and, and they come to Christ. And that's all of you here are miracles. And if God could get you, he could get anybody, right? We can could, we could all agree with that. And so now I want to give you some examples of of people trusting God, faithful people. You know there's there's the the chapter of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and there's names that aren't written in there. Our names could be in there if we build if we allow God to build up our faith with the situations that happen in your life. Our names could be written down in that in that place where there was other people that they don't have room for them, you see. It requires faith. So the first one is in uh it's in Genesis 22. So Genesis 22, it's the account. And so uh, it's a few verses, I'm going to read them. It's the account of, of uh, when Abraham was tested. You know, it's a, it's a pretty hardcore test. I don't know if we could pass it, but it says now it, in the first verse, and now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son and your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early. You know, if this was told to me, we would have had an argument would have had an argument. It doesn't tell us that he didn't, but I don't think he did. But the Lord and I would have had an argument, you know, because we love our kids, right? We love our kids. Imagine God asking you that. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then the third, on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar, and Abraham said, to his young men here's a here's a statement of, of faith stay here with the donkey the lad and i will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you so right there he's already speaking in faith and that's what god is looking for So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went up together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, Father. And he said, Here I am, son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. There's a lot of things in that verse. One day, God would be the Lamb of God, and he would provide the offering for all of our sins. And this was just a forerunner of that, a picture of what was coming. But Abraham speaking in faith. So then they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar, and there a place There he placed the wood in in order and bound his son, Isaac, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay the son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from the heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For I know, for I now know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son. Your only son from me he he walked in faith. you see he started they started wrong. They had a different kid named Ishmael, but he ended up in faith, and that's what th- that's an example that God is calling us to when is Is it easy do we need a lot of faith when things are easy when things are real easy when we used to come in here, no problem, just you know do our thing no. God is calling us. All these things are happening for the reason of building up our faith, to, sh- to be the lights to this dark world. So some may have thought Moses to be confused when he left the palace of Pharaoh and to go tend some goats and, and, some, and some sheep. Some of them thought, might have thought, this guy, he's really confused. He lived in the king's house he was probably going to be the next pharaoh somebody might have thought this guy he's lost his marbles but he didn't it just shows that god was starting to minister you know to him about his future job he was going to lead all these israelites out of egypt so the last uh, example is in first samuel chapter 17 So you guys are familiar with with these with these stories because you guys uh you know they're stories that we all know, and so in chapter seventeen verses thirty one to thirty seven it says "And now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he went for him. Then David said to Saul, "Let no man's heart fail because of him, your servant will go and fight." This Philistine and Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came, he took the lamb out of his flock. And I went out after him and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Now that young man was speaking in all faith right there, but it was based on what he had seen God do in his life. But we all know that these are just regular men. And we have stories here where they failed when they took their eyes off God. That's when you're going to fail, when you take your eyes off the Lord. But then we see the stories when they prospered, when God prospered them, when they kept their eyes on God. So what is all this stuff going on? It's geared for you to take your eyes off the Lord. There's a great falling away the Bible talks about. And I've already been told that people you know they're not walking no more they're doing what they want to do and so it's so you can take your eyes off the Lord so you know there's the author of confusion but then there's the author of our lives and so Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith for who for the joy that he was set before him, enduring the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's our author. And an author is a, a one who writes a story. And so I tell you that your story has been written. There's these songs that you hear, there's similar songs by different people. It talks about uh, working all things out, that he's working all things out and, and working it out for us, right? And I tell you that those, those songs are inaccurate. I tell you that they're wrong because God already worked it out. Your story's already been written. The only part that we write in is when we get in trouble. When we are out of order with God. But that story, your story, has been written by God already. It's like when Peter says that by his stripes we were already healed. You see. That's the story that we want to be in. When God is the author of it. That he is the one who we follow. You see. And those, I understand what the words in the song say. But my story's already been written. You see, our our brother, Johnny, we miss him. He went home, but it was on God's time. It was on God's timing, his perfect timing. And we want to be in God's perfect timing. And the testing of your faith is happening, and it's for our building up for other works, right? And so the building up of our faith, meaning what? So our relationship. With God could be stronger and our relationship with one another could be stronger looking to Jesus keeping our eyes on him as we run this race and so I want to read some verses from uh, Deuteronomy and and, uh, and as we saw we've already read what, what David when he went out in faith to kill Goliath do you think he He knew these verses that I'm going to read to you in Deuteronomy, verse one through four. It says, and when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord, your God is with you, who brought you from the land of Egypt. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people and he shall say to them. Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for, to fight for you against your enemies to save you. You think David knew? David, did he ever read Deuteronomy? Probably not. But they were written on his heart. He already knew them in his heart, that God would go before him. And so that's what we have to know, that God is going before you. You know, that God is is the one who we're walking behind. And so we need to remember that our situation doesn't change who God is. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God is the one who changes the situation. We just have to say, in the words of Job, "It is well." You know, Job. I don't know if if uh, we have any other. A lot of suffering in this book, but he suffered a lot, and he was blameless. The Bible calls him blameless. And so, I just want to read a few verses from Job chapter nineteen. And so, so what it what it shows us is that Job never lost sight of who God was, you see. And so this, the stuff that happens in your life is so you can lose sight of, of God, who he is, the power of God. And so right here, you know, Job was uh, going through all this stuff. He was oppressed by his friends, by his wife. Everybody was against Job, and and he was miserable, and he did want to die. That's how much he was in pain, but... It, He says it all in verses 25 and 26 in chapter 19. He says he never, what happened to Job, he never lost sight of who God was. You see, it says, for I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another. How my heart yearns within me. That's what we need to do is we need to focus on who God is and never lose sight of who he is and stay with him. And that's what happened to Job. You see, Job went through a miserable time, but he never lost sight of who God was in his life. You see, and he knew. Just like we know that we're going to be in his presence one day. And so I want to remind us, you know, and, and I don't want to mess up the verse, so I'm going to turn there, um, what it says in the book of John. In John eleven twenty five, 25, it says, And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. That's a promise to us. So I know when you think about the, what's going on, the first thing that comes is fear. The first thing that comes is fear of what might happen. But let me tell you, those who've gone ahead, they're not trying to come back. They're not trying to come back. Not that we're trying to ex- express get in the express lane either. We want to be here serving the Lord, and we're not going to be able to serve Him too good if we are somewhere you know, on our own understanding or afraid, you know. God wants to use you. He wants to use all of us. Especially as the world gets more muddy and darker, He wants to use us. I know that's a mystery. I know that's a mystery. How could God want to use me, right? But He does. God can raise up rocks to do His work, but He wants to use us. So just an encouragement, guys, that the Lord gave me to, to uh, encourage us that he is still on the holy mountain. He is not moved. If anybody has moved, it's us. So, you know, focus on that, that God is still on the throne, and he's not surprised at all. The enemy is doing the work of God. It's like they, they, they got the cross ready, they, they plotted all that, they were doing the work of God, unbeknownst to them. And So, let, let us surrender everything, everything to His will.